In the name of our God, creator, redeemer, and sanctifier. Amen. Everyone can be seated. What a parable. In all honesty, I think there is no satisfactory way to remove the tension that rises up on hearing the parable of the dishonest steward. For centuries, biblical scholars have agonized over its meaning, coming to various conclusions about what Jesus means to communicate to us as he tells this parable story. And those scholars, well, they arrive at a variety of different interpretations, all of which fall short of making easy sense of it. There's one scholar, for example, who I think just sort of writes off the whole parable telling, a guy named Robert Capon, who imagined that the gospel writer Luke simply constructs this story and leaves it here simply out of convenience. Luke had plenty of snippets passed on to him from various sources, stories of Jesus taking definitive actions, parables that Jesus might have told, short and pithy quotes from Jesus, all of which he didn't want to lose a bit of. Capon reasons that at this juncture in telling the story of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem, Luke simply used up some of this scattered material in the form of a parable that's told and a few sayings about wealth and stewardship that seemed remotely connected to it. That's a decent theory. Everything we hear in this parable this morning violates our expectations. Dishonesty gets rewarded. Wealth and the power that it brings over others seems to triumph. So let's dig a little deeper into this parable and think a bit about its meaning for us. It starts off by having us learn that there is a, a great master who possesses great wealth so much so that he needs others to help tend it for him. And he has a dutiful steward who's responsible for all this wealth. One who is exposed along the way for his dishonest dealings and summarily fired without as much as a trial or a chance to give a comeback to explain himself. Now this fired steward is a rather clever guy. He decides that his best strategy here is to cook the books, you might say, to ingratiate himself to all his master's debtors and restore the once frayed and broken relationships he has with those he has conceivably been abusing. And then there is the end result a master who, in the end, commends the steward for his shrewdness. And just to make everything a bit more confusing, Jesus then jumps in at the end to interpret the parable in a way that I think challenges us and perhaps leaves us a little bit baffled. 
the dishonest steward is held up by Jesus as an example. But why? Deep down, the telling of this story, I think, is not just about how one uses wealth, but it's about relationships. That is, after all, what stewardship is all about, relationships. The lesson I see in the parable that Jesus tells is that the steward is using current assets in his control to pay forward his future reception among his master's debtors. Now, there's plenty of disagreement from theologians whether the steward might be skimming from his master or just discounting his own commissions on future collections by doing this. But deep down, there is a bigger lesson here than some accounting principles. Jesus is telling us to use wisely the wealth of the world we possess to gain the wealth of heaven. Our time, our talent, and our treasure should not be expended to gobble up the goodies of this life at the expense of others. As Christian stewards, we're called to imagine life as a great series of interrelated relationships. Relationships to our fragile and increasingly depleted earth and all that it contains. Relationships to our possessions, whether they are great or small. And relationships to those around us. But most importantly, our relationship with God, which always needs a bit of tending. In our collect this morning, we prayed that we might not be anxious about earthly things, but to love things heavenly. Jesus reminds us that stewardship for us as Christians is a fundamental building block of our discipleship. Using all the shrewdness we can muster, we are all called to abundant relationships with God and each other, self-sacrificing relationships bound in love that put aside our human need to control or wield power over others. When our priorities are set right, we'll serve God in this life and not wealth. So as we enter into this stewardship season at this time of year, we might well sit with this parable and ponder it in all its complexity and consider well all the relationships we now have with our money and possessions, with our power and privilege, with our neighbors, and with God. How might you break out of your stagnant ways of living life to embrace a more active role as a faithful steward? In her book, Short Stories by Jesus, the Jewish New Testament scholar, Amy Jill Levine writes concerning parables that Jesus tells. Jesus understood that God does not play by our rules. 
His God is a generous God who not only allows the sun to shine on both the just and the unjust, but also gives us the ability to live into what should be rather than what is. The parables, parables like this very one this morning, help us with their lessons about generosity, sharing joy, providing for others, recognizing the potential of small investments. His God wants us to be better than we are because we have the potential to be. We are made but a little lower than the divine. We should start acting in a more heavenly manner. Those who pray your kingdom come might want to take some responsibility in the process and so work more and more in partnership with God. We, too, are to seek the lost and make every effort to find them. Indeed, we are not only to seek, we are to take notice of who might be lost. The story of the dishonest steward gives all of us an opportunity to look at how we use what is given to us. How do we use creation? How do we use our lives? How do we use our bodies? How do we use the relationships we have? How do we greet people who are God's own? How do we treat one another? How do we tend to lessen the burdens of others? What we say, what we write, what we spend, how we act matters to God, and it matters very much in the ushering in of the kingdom of God. Amen.